Good morning. I'm here to tell you that uh, your camp is alive and well, uh, doing uh, great things at camp. Uh, and I want to thank you personally, before we get into our message, for your financial gift uh, this past year as uh, the windows have been installed in the chapel and the worship area. And also, uh, there was uh, God sent blessings that way too. There was enough of that funding left that we've already started the walls insulating them. And so we're well underway uh, getting ready for camp. So we thank you for that. As uh, we get into the time of our message here this morning, let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing upon this time. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we truly thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you today uh, and glorify you in song and coming around the communion table, Lord, and also breaking open your word. We just pray pray, Lord, as uh, this message uh, out of the book of Proverbs gives us an opportunity to examine uh, the importance of our heart. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Since last time uh, that I was here with you, uh, my son and daughter are in the medical field, and uh, they encouraged me to go and get a checkup. I hadn't been to the doctor for a long time. There are two things about doctors. Uh, well, a doctor and also a mechanic I have problems with because when you take your vehicle to uh, get your oil changed, they find something else wrong with it, don't they? And the doctor's the same way, aren't they? You know, you go in for one thing and they go, oh my gosh, you know, you got. So uh, that nurse calls me and says, hey, you need to get some blood work done. I said, okay, yeah, I can do that. Uh, and so I go in and get all my blood work done. They take a lot of blood out of me. And then she, she goes, uh, you come in the office here about seven days later, and I had an appointment. I go into her, and she goes, you haven't been here for nine years. She goes, how do you feel? I said, I feel great. I really do. And uh, I go, why come in if I feel great? And she said, well, you got a problem. I go, what? Yeah, she goes, you got a real big problem. you got a heart problem. I go, what? So she goes through everything. She goes, man, your, your sugar's great. Everything's great there. Uh, your cholesterol is great. I go, what else is there? I mean, what, what's going on? And she goes, your bad cholesterol. You're one point off. <laughs> now, I know about, enough about the medical field and uh, through my son and daughter that one point, she goes, we're going to have to put you on this uh, statin this pill, and she goes, she pulled an example of it up on the computer, they can do that now, that thing is so small, so small, and she goes, you need to take that before you go to bed, and it's going to make your heart better, I go, I, I don't feel bad, she goes, we got to prepare and make that heart healthy for the rest of your life. This morning, we read out of the book of Proverbs, the fourth chapter. It revolves around the heart. And Bill, we did not talk about, did what your mess? No. Uh, the fourth chapter, verses 20 through uh, 27. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to that. And uh, as I read here this morning, and the reference to the heart, and the importance of the health of our heart in our walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it begins by saying this in verse 20. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. 
Keep them within your, there it goes, heart. For they are the life to those who find them and the health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Keep your foot from evil. 1991, there was a musical. Uh, you may be familiar with it. Dr. Newhart's Christmas Cure. And the basis of that musical, children's musical, was revolved around the idea, here we have these children, and all of a sudden they realize that there's just something wrong. They're going through Christmas, but they're not excited about what's happening during that point in, in their life at Christmas. And so they go to the doctor. They go to Dr. Newhart. And they said, Doc, there's something wrong. We just don't understand. And she, she asks him some questions. And she goes, you know, you got a problem. you got a problem. you got a heart problem. So there's a bunch of characters. There's Dr. Frick and there's Dr. Frack. And they share with those children about, you know, how do you get out of this? The Christmas Day dumps. So the whole play revolves around that. And there's a nurse, Nurse Philpott. Nurse Philpot has nothing to do with Christianity or Jesus. She don't believe in Christmas. She's a bah humbug. And so a whole musical goes through, and then they realize the problem with their heart is, is that they're not totally committed to the relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and then the nurse Philpot, all of a sudden, she makes a change because she accepts Christ at the end of that and changes the heart, changing the heart. And that's exactly what's happening here. Confusion results in the idea from a failure to understand the importance and the truth proclaimed here in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. You know, we really never think about the heart and the importance of the heart. Other scriptures describe that importance of the heart that we need to apply in our lives, but we, I'll be honest, I never really thought about in my early walk and relationship with Christ the significance of the heart and how the heart plays an important role in that relationship. But here we see in Proverbs that King Solomon identifies it and he says there's really four areas that we need to really focus on in that relationship and beginning that walk and to make that heart healthy. The heart healthy. You know, we may not think we got a heart problem, just like those young children didn't think they had a heart problem. Nurse Philpot didn't think she had a heart problem, but in reality, they did have a heart problem, and they really didn't know it. Here, there's four principles I'm going to share with you here this morning. Now, King Solomon says, you got to guard the heart, and he gives us four ways to do that in guarding our heart in that walk. Uh, he's first of all, he says, you got to recognize the importance of the heart. Now, he identifies that as a treasure, a treasure. 
We have a beautiful treasure in our heart. Uh, there's two phrases that jump out here. And if you look in that scripture here, uh, it's really neat how these phrases jump out and they have meaning that we can apply to our lives today. The first one says, above all else. Remember that as we read that? Above all else. Now, your scripture may be a little different in the wording. but And the second one here is this, the wellspring of life. Remember VBS, spring up, oh well. Yeah. Well, there's some meaning there. Now, oh, that hurt a little bit. <laughs> to experience the fullness of the faith and partake in the blessings of God, we got to recognize the beauty of the heart, as Solomon described, treasure. And uh, here, let's break this up. Above all else. What does that mean? Above all else communicates what? Priority. Make that a priority in your life. The doctor looked at me and said, you got to make it a priority to take that little white pill. Okay. I'll do that. And then the wellspring of life. What does that say? It communicates a promise, a glorious promise, the wellspring of life, the eternal promise of being with Jesus and sharing in that great worship time in heaven. It says here in this text to guard the heart. It's most important thing than anything else that we can do. Now, the Christian community that we've all grown up in cherishes the idea of self-denial. And that's good, to deny oneself, to deny the world, because we're not of the world, but we're here in the world. This is not our home. And the key aspect here of relationship with Jesus Christ, guarding your heart, kind of, we don't think about that. It's like a contradiction, so to speak. But maybe as we look here in Proverbs, the 23rd verse here, the fourth chapter, uh, it contains another great paradox here that we can apply to our lives. And it's this. Could it be that we can only die to self and to die of the world if we have and we guard our heart? Our heart is in check also at the same time. Now, Satan wants us to think otherwise, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to think, you know, our heart is important in this whole thing. And I'll share with you a minute what that means. Here, let's jump into the New Testament. And this is really neat because it identifies the importance here. Uh, it says that uh, in Mark, the 12th chapter, verse 30, it goes... To, and, and hear Jesus' teaching, Jesus declared that we should love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart. Yeah. With all of your heart. Soul, mind, and strength. And then in Matthew, the 15th chapter, verses 16 through 20, uh, when describing the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus revealed the things that come out of your heart, defines you as men. Sons and daughters of God. Let me read this verse. It says, 
Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body, but the things that come out of your mouth come from what? Your heart. Your heart. The health of your heart. And this makes a man unclean. Luke, the 12th chapter, he taught, for where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. And then in Ephesians 1.18, the Apostle Paul prayed for the saints. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So there's something about the heart here that brings an importance in a relationship and as we grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we move toward the relationship with God the Father. According to the scripture, the heart can be grieved, uh, troubled, uh, broken, pierced, divided, and joyful. In other words, it's the very core of our life. Our eternal life. The very core of that eternal life. Our heart is the truest expression of who we really are. So, let's look what we got here. We got a treasure, as described by Solomon. You need to protect that treasure. And then secondly, he says, you got to make it a priority to do that. It's got to be a priority. Now, I'm going to be honest with you folks. Hopefully my wife is not listening. She's in church with my, with my grandchildren and my son. I didn't want to take that pill. It's real little. And I don't feel bad. I've never taken a pill. And it kind of hurt me when she said, I got a problem. It's kind of like that walk we have. You know, Solomon's telling me, you've got a problem here. And you got to make it a priority, but I don't feel a problem, but you really got a problem if you don't follow these steps. Make it a priority. It's a biblical mandate here for us to recognize the treasure of your heart and to make it a priority in our life to guard that great gift that is given us. Now, if we ask the church the top disciplines, and I was at Raleigh for 31 years. This is what we came up with. Uh, worship, prayer, Bible study, and evangelism. All good ones, right? But we didn't identify the heart. Uh, and it plays a major role. Our heart does. And it strikes me odd here that the command to guard our heart rarely is brought up in that, you know, as we gather together to see how we're going to make the church strong. But that's an important part here we find in the scripture. The second factor is this, that the heart has prevented the saints, from making the matters of the heart a priority. 
is the limitation of guarding your heart to purity. See, striving for moral purity is an abnormal thing and necessary a part of following Christ. It's denying oneself to the following of Jesus Christ and to prepare that heart. What does he mean by that? Uh, so here I'm sitting at the doctor's office and, uh, and I'm reading, you know, I pull up uh, and they have some old readers digest there and I said, I'm going to play with this doctor. I hadn't seen her for a long time. I said, I'm going to play with her a little bit. So I just opened up the Reader's Digest trying to think what I'm going to do to throw her off a little bit. And it comes up to this article. And uh, it's uh, the analysis, and I'll, I'll read, I'm just going to read it verbatim here. Uh, it's uh, the analysis of some of the dieting trends affecting our culture and our heart. I go, I can use this. Uh, and it, it, it started by saying, the Japanese eat little fat and suffer fewer heart problems than the Americans or the Brits. The French eat a lot of fat, suffer fewer heart attacks than the U.S. or the Brits. Italians, they drink a lot of red wine, have a lower risk of heart problems than Western neighbors. And so I go, hmm. I go in there and I share this with her and go, so... What can we conclude from these facts, doctor? And this is before she told me I had a heart problem. And I said this. You can eat what you want, but being an American, it's going to kill you. <laughs> she goes, oh, I got one of you guys today. <laughs> but the reality of it is this. When your heart is strong, your heart is strong, we're able to resist the temptations. And the book of Proverbs identifies that. The things to avoid, and it contains numerous instructions to pursue wisdom, grace, discipline, and an abundance of eternal life. But how do we do it? Solomon says, well, you got to not put trash in, trash in. Guarding your heart includes seeking God, but we can't ignore the instruction here. It says to minimize the trash. And the verse following that command to guard your heart describes putting away perverse speech. This is a trash. It says looking straight ahead, following Christ, and choosing good paths. To go down. And this is a, these verses here are similar to verses found in Hebrews, the second, or the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses uh, surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and sin so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that lies ahead, keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and the perfecter of our faith. It says, I don't expect you to be first. You just need to finish the race following Christ. And these passages here reveal a truth that we can apply today and take out these doors in our lives. And that is this. Sometimes as we run our race, 
We can run the race of our faith by taking out and pushing out the trash of this world. That sinister trap of legalism ensnares us. Now, some trash is easy to identify, isn't it? And some trash isn't. Uh, moral corruption, uh, perverse behavior, evil acts, uh, and others are hard to discern and hard to remove. We don't know we've got a problem. But we feel something's not right, but we don't understand the problem there. In 2 Timothy, it says we need to embrace. In other words, he said, trash, whether big or small, is what? It's just trash. There's no difference. We've got to embrace the challenge here. What Paul says here in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul gave Timothy uh, this instruction to purify himself so that he would be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master. You know what? You're sitting here today. You're part of this world because you are useful instrument to the master. You've been created because you are very special. He looked at his creation and said, well done. It's good. You have a purpose, a specific purpose in this world and in the relationship and what God has set forth. And all we have to do is to give it to God and to energize it lastly with the truth as described here in this book. And that's the fourth strategy, guarding your heart to energize with the truth. And it says, pay attention, listen closely. That's that truth there. Pay attention, listen closely. I see my father saying that to me. Pay attention, listen closely. Okay, okay, okay. You know, do we do that? <laughs> but he's saying this is an important part of your life. Giving a detailed, careful attention to divine truth followed by the promise of life and health. We live in a world that's uh, opposed to truth. So what is he saying here? He's saying this, our, our cultural uh, that we live in, it, it promotes tolerance over truth. Tolerance over truth. But Solomon reminds us that there's a difference between right and wrong. Maybe that's a problem in the world today. We don't know that difference anymore between right and wrong. Uh, and good and bad. Good and bad. Righteousness and evil. Uh, so it's a level path here and a solid foundation that leads to success in our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Uh, I've had a professor at Johnson as uh, I went there in first day class he said how many of you believe in Jesus? Oh, we're John, you're Johnson Bible College. You know, you're going you're, you're gonna to raise your hand. Yeah, everybody raises their hand. And he looked at us, Dr. Madden. He goes, that's bad. I'm going, what? Where am I at? And he shared this word. It's easy it's easy to memorize the words of Christianity, but it's hard to do what? Live it and to walk it. In other words, too many believers treat knowing Christ as a simple fact 
a simple fact instead of a transforming truth, a truth, real truth. And he'll, I never forget it. He goes, there's one more person we need to add to everybody's hand that raised their hands that recognized Jesus Christ as the son of the living God. And he said, Satan knows the fact of knowing Christ. Forward and backward. He recognized him as the son of Jesus Christ. But Satan doesn't recognize Christ as a transforming truth. That's where we've got to move at that point in time. A transforming truth. So let's conclude this morning. Guarding your heart is critical. Your heart health is critical. You may not think there's a problem spiritually, but we got to make sure our heart is healthy and recognize that. That's one of Satan's greatest lies. Oh, you don't know you don't have a problem. So we learned here this morning we got a treasure. It's a beautiful treasure, as described by Solomon. I like to use the word gift. And then we learn that we got to prioritize the task of making that heart healthy. And then we got to do, how do we do it? We got to minimize the trash that we put in. The trash that we put in. And then we got to energize it with the truth, the real truth. And that is the truth of Jesus Christ and God the Father. At Raleigh, I had a gal in my youth group. Uh, that uh, married a submariner. And uh, she was five foot 11, and he's about that tall. I mean, he fit the bill being a submarine. You know, I always wanted to go and be in a submarine, uh, but uh, my figure does not allow me to in the tube. But he told me these facts. I was always been interested. I'd go, well, how, you know, how long are you out there? Well, we go 90 days underwater. We don't have to come up for 90 days. In fact, we make our own oxygen, etc. And I'm going, hmm. But in 90 days, we got to come up. I go, well, why do you think they got to come up in 90 days? If they have all that, you know, all that abundance there on the ship. And that submarine, why did they got come up in 90 days? And he said this, uh, we've got to refocus ourselves to uh, the North Star. Uh, because uh, the magnetic forces of being underwater messes up all of the gauges. Now that's my uh, paraphrase, not knowing exactly uh, how that all works. And he goes, we got to pay attention to those. Because uh, that navigational equipment is aligned to the true reference point of the North Star. The North Star. So this morning, making that application. Uh, it's an excellent picture of our heart. Uh, just like a submarine, uh, we may have enough physical provisions. I feel fine, doctor, but mmm like food, water, etc., we're doing fine, uh, we have fuel, uh, we can survive. But to perform at the highest level that God created each and every one of us for, uh, 
Uh, we've got to complete the mission, whatever that mission may be. God's got a mission for you. You wouldn't be here if not. And we've got to be proper aligned, proper aligned with a true reference point. And that true reference point is God and Jesus Christ. Your heart is that navigational instrument, that equipment of your life. That we got to make sure we stay aligned with God and don't let Satan move in. Because if God's not there, it's empty. Satan's going to move in. He is going to move in. But if God hasn't inhabited your heart, Satan is not going to move in. He knows where he is not welcome. By guarding your heart, you stay locked on to God's will. And remember that little thing that Solomon said? The wellspring of life. Goose, 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 goose. Oh, well, I'm going to be in heaven and be well. As we come to our time of invitation, we give you the opportunity. Now, I'll be honest. As I've grown in my Christian life, as I accepted Christ early in life, it has been an idea, a time that uh, it's a learning process. Have I always been aligned? No, because I thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my heart. But then I realized that our heart must be filled totally with God. We give you that opportunity. If you've not made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and given your life, then we give you that opportunity here this morning as we sing our invitation song.